Um, so today we light the Advent candle of peace. And today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 1, 76 to 79. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Thank you, Nina. Well, it was nine years ago on December 14th in 2012, if you remember. Is my PowerPoint up there? There we go. Uh, This guy named Adam Lanza uh, shot and killed 20 children. Uh, elementary school students, six teachers, and then his own mother before he shot himself. And then most recent school shooting this past Tuesday at Oxford High, if you heard about that. And uh, this, this is Oxford High in Michigan. It was the 28th school shooting in 2021 in America that resulted in injury or death just in our country alone. This is, uh, according to the news outlet, Education Week. And then if you remember back even further, uh, in 2004, the day after Christmas, December 26, there was the Indian Ocean earthquake and then resulting tsunami that destroyed whole communities, uh, resulting in the deaths of 228,000 people just wiped out off the face of the earth. You know, people of this world desire peace, but it seems like the world is just full of everything but peace, as we just saw in that video as well. People desire it, but in many ways, we experience the opposite uh, of peace. We experience the opposite of peace due to human and also natural reasons. And peace even though we all desire it in our lives, escapes us so often. We feel it in our bones. We feel it in our minds. We're plagued with this lack of peace. But our, and our world is not peaceful. And, and is that what peace is? Just an absence of violence and catastrophe? Is that all that peace is that we hope for? Uh, Earlier this year on February 18th, representative from California, Barbara Lee, introduced a bill, Bill HR 1111, to the House Oversight and Reform Committee to establish the Department of Peacebuilding as a part of the executive branch of our federal government. You may not have heard this, but this has actually been introduced year after year for multiple years, (laughs) Uh, back to the early 2000s. And this would be a cabinet-level department, so somebody works on the presidential cabinet. Uh, it would establish nonviolence as an organizing principle in both domestic 
and international relations and affairs. So if in this view of peace, it's based on the principle that peace is just nonviolence. Is, is that all that peace is? Nonviolence. You know, most uh, people, we desire peace. But the reality is we lack it. We lack it. And just listen to the evening news, the daily news. Often we see that the news is full of everything that's evidence of the lack of peace. Like most recently, right, Russia is massing these troops on the borders of the Ukraine. Who knows why? Huh? But it seems like that could be another act of a lack of peace. It's all over the place. And we also observe this in the absence of peace in many of the family relationships we know that our, our friends and our coworkers share with us. Uh, and even at times in our own church community, our own church family, or even in our own immediate families, there's a lack of peace that we experience very often. It's everywhere. Uh, and then there's the lack of peace that can be the feeling when we just find out somebody doesn't like us for some reason. That's a lack of peace. Or, or when we did something wrong and we hurt somebody we love. Or we lie and we try to cover it up. This is, causes this internal turmoil within us, a lack of peace. Or when we have a fight with our spouse or with our special someone. Lack of peace. Or when we worry and become anxious about something bad happening to someone we care about. It's another lack of peace in our minds and our hearts. Each, is a, each of us are very familiar with the lack of peace. But on the other hand, do we know what real peace is? Do we experience real peace? Have we ever experienced real peace in our minds and our hearts? Uh, do we desire peace, real peace? Well, yeah, of course we do, right? But, but we all desire and strive for this peace, but do we know really what this peace is that we have in our minds that we want so badly? As everybody says, like world peace, right? We want world peace. Well, in order to know what, if we have experienced it or that we are experiencing something, we need to be able to describe it, to define it. And so, what is peace? Is it simply the lack of conflict? No, it's much more than just the absence of violence. Uh, as the American Heritage Dictionary defines it in uh, a few ways, and I'm just going to list these out for you. Listen to what the American Heritage says. The first, uh, it could be the absence of war or other hostilities, or secondly, an agreement or a treaty to end hostilities, or third, freedom from quarrels and disagreement, harmonious relations such as roommates living in peace with each other, uh, four, public security and order such as being arrested for disturbing the peace, right? or fifth, and lastly, inner contentment, serenity, like having peace of mind. Well, the word for peace in the Hebrew language, which is the language that was the most of the Old Testament was written in, is shalom. You may have heard this word before, I hope. And, and shalom is used to describe basically a cessation of hostilities, but it's a word that in itself also pictures a much more wholeness and completeness. Um, it denotes harmony and completeness, it has, to have shalom is not only to be quiet uh, and have a quiet life, it's also to be fulfilled in every single way. That sounds good, doesn't it? Fulfilled in every single way. 
And shalom was understood as a gift from the Almighty God by the, the ancient Israelites. Now, the word for peace in the Greek language, which is the language that the New Testament was mostly written in, and that is irene. And in the broadest sense, it means a believer's well-being. Well, it carries a similar meaning as shalom. Uh, it carries the meaning of conflict resolved, reconciliation with God, salvation, and, as we learn, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of God as well, given to us. Now, with this understanding, let follow along as I read again today's passage. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, you child here refers to John the Baptist. He's speaking to John the Baptist, who grew up and prepared the way for the Lord Jesus. And he did this by preaching to the people of Israel that they needed to repent of their sins. And in this way, John prepared the way for Jesus to come and got to guide us in the way of peace. And guide our feet in that way. And later in Luke chapter 2, verse 14 when Jesus was born, we see the angels who proclaimed the following, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And the Old Testament prophet Isaiah described Jesus in chapter 9, verse 6, where the Messiah speaks these words as well, that song, uh, Hondo's Messiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, Jesus came to guide our feet in the way of peace because he is the Prince of Peace. And so what better person to guide our way into peace? So the first step we see in the scriptures for the way of peace and following Jesus is peace between God and mankind. This is what Jesus brings, and the truth is that Jesus is not only the source of peace, but he is himself true peace. He is the prince of peace. And why is this? It's because the entire human race are enemies of God who have rebelled against God because we are all sinful and tainted by this sinful nature. Everyone carries that. And so Jesus himself took on the punishment that you and I and everyone else ever born deserve. So that's why he is the way of peace. And no matter what we do, we cannot reconcile ourselves to God. We cannot strive for that peace between God and mankind. We can do, we can do good things. We can try to make as much money to help the poor and give it away. We can do all these things have as many children as possible, make friends with as many people as possible. Whatever we try to achieve or do on this earth, we will never find true peace in those things alone. It's like this image of Jesus being the way of peace is captured in this story from the 4th century AD of a man in Korea who had two sons. 
And the oldest son achieves great things in his life and rose to be the chief justice in their area, in the, of the land of that part of the country. But the younger son became an infamous bandit. He was a criminal. And so in time, and the older brother loved the younger brother, and he tried to persuade the younger brother to give up his ways, but he just wouldn't. And so eventually the younger brother got arrested and caught and then ended up before his older brother in a trial. And so everybody watching the trial knew how much the older brother loved his younger brother because he was very vocal about that. So they thought the younger brother would get off, no problem. But at the end of the trial, the older brother sentenced his younger brother to death. And then on the day of execution, the older brother went to the prison and he said to his younger brother, let's switch places. And the younger brother thought, oh, that's what you were going to do. So he switched and he went out and he got up on a hill just to uh, wait and see because he figured once they saw that it wasn't him and it was his old, older brother, they would just let him loose. But as he was standing on the hill watching them take out his older brother, and to his horror, they executed his older brother. And out of the remorse he felt, he ran down the hill and he told the guard there his name and he said, I'm the one that should have been executed. And the guard looked at him and just said, there's no one by that name on which there is a sentence any longer. It's been taken care of. And in the same way, you see that Christ is the way of peace because he is like the older brother. He took on himself our punishment and penalty so that now there's no longer any sentence that applies to you or me in God's eyes. It's the way of peace that Christ only can bring to you and me, true peace between God and mankind. And we can only find that in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, like he said. And he is the way of peace as well between God and mankind. So he's reconciled us through his death. And listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, which speaks of this truth. The Apostle Paul wrote this. says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. So to follow Jesus as the way of peace, first step is we must be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is the first step. Peace with God. Our sins are forgiven by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. But this peace with God may cause divisions in our family. So while we experience a peace with God, it may not mean and result in peace on earth for us. For Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, some words here that are disturbing. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own family or his own household. See, at this time when Jesus was talking, the Jews worshipped in households, as households. They worshipped together. And so Jesus knew that his words that he was speaking, the gospel truth, would be accepted by individuals of a family and not by other individuals in a family, and that would create a sharp divide in that family, dissension, 
division. And some of us may have experienced that. Some people have been disowned by their families because of their following Jesus or their desire to continue to follow Jesus. Some of you may feel tension already still in your families whenever this subject comes up. And that's what Jesus meant by, and he used this metaphor of the sword because it divides families, this, this truth that he preached. His message would cause this division. So this first step along the way of peace is peace between God and mankind. Well, the second step is peace in the midst of trouble. And Jesus didn't come to make a way of peace between God and mankind and just leave it at that. No, he, he gives us peace, his peace, to help us in the midst of our everyday life. So there's the ultimate peace we have with God, but then there's the present peace that we experience in every moment of every day dealing with whatever comes our way. And that's what we hear Jesus teach us in John 14, 27, where he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give, you, give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. That, those words are so comforting, aren't they? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Whatever we face, work, family, sickness, betrayal, broken relationships. It's comforting. Those words of peace. The peace that Jesus gives is not the absence of trouble. The peace he gives you and me is that his promise to be with us always in the midst of trouble, comforting us, guiding us. An example of this peace is Tom Dooley, who was a young doctor who organized hospitals raised money, and literally poured his life out to help the, serve the afflicted peoples of Southeast Asia. And here was a man that was in deep relationship with God. He gave up a lucrative career as a doctor in the United States to go uh, and help this ministry, this desperately difficult ministry overseas. And in the end, that relationship enabled him to die victoriously for Jesus, for this, this work that he was doing as well. And, and he was only at the age of 34 when he did so. And here's a letter that on December 1st, 1960, he wrote to the president of Notre, Notre Dame, which was his alma mater. And he wrote, and I quote, Dear Father, Hesburg, they've got me down flat on my back, with plaster and sandbags and hot water bottles, I've contrived a way of pumping the bed up a bit so that with a long reach, I can get to my typewriter. Two things prompt me, prompt this note to you. The first is that whenever my cancer acts up a bit, and it is certainly acting up now, I turn inward. Less do I think of my hospitals around the world or of 94 doctors or fundraisers and the like, more do I think of the one divine doctor in my personal fund of grace. It has become pretty definite that the cancer has spread to the lumbar vertebra, accounting for all the back problems over the last two months. I have monstrous phantoms, all men do, and inside and outside the wind blows, but when the time comes, like now, then the storm around me does not matter. The winds within me do not matter. Nothing human or earthly can touch me. A peace gathers in my heart. What seems unpossessable, I can possess. What seems unfathomable, I can fathom. 
What is unutterable I can utter because I can pray. I can communicate. How do people endure anything on earth if they cannot have God? End quote. This is a glimpse of a little bit of the peace that Christ gives us in the midst of trouble. And what is this peace like? More, we hear another description of it in Psalm 131, which captures it well. It says, My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. See, the peace that Jesus gives does not depend on how smooth our life is going or how wealthy and healthy we are. No, but he gives us this inner peace of heart and mind despite whatever storms of life we are going through. A peace that is unshakable because we abide on the rock, Jesus himself. It's kind of like another story in, in 1555. Whoops, where are we going here? There we go. Uh, Nicholas Ridley was burned at the stake for his witness for Christ. And the night before he was executed, his brother went and offered to spend the night with him because he was going to die the next morning. And he refused for his brother's comfort and to spend the night with him. And this, this is, he declined the offer and replied that he meant to go to bed as he normally did and get a really good sleep as he normally does because he could rest knowing that he's in the arms of Jesus, whether he lives or he dies tomorrow morning. So he didn't need any extra comfort. He was just treating it like a regular day. And if he died, he died. If he lived, he lived. And because he had the peace of Christ in him. Man, I desire that, that peace. And we can have that peace because Jesus offers it. He says, I give you my peace. You can have this trust in me, and you will experience this peace. But we don't experience this peace in our everyday lives, usually, do we? We struggle with distractions and worries and whatever it is that enters our minds. And there are two main reasons for this, of why we don't experience this peace of Christ. The first is, simply, we don't obey his commands. Uh, listen to Psalm 119.65. It says there, Great peace have, those, have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. See, when we obey the commands of God, we have peace in experiencing the peace that happens when we are in walking in his commands. You know, the same applies to our laws of society, if you think about it, right? If we experience his peace when we obey the law, and if we break the law, then we don't have peace, right? For example, uh, driving laws, right? If, if I drive on the right side of the road, I can drive in relative peace, except for the other crazy drivers out there, right? But if I decide to break the law and drive on the left side of the road, then I cannot drive with much peace. I will be always trying to avoid the cars that are coming at me. There will be no peace because I am not following the law, the, the order there. But on the other hand, if you're in the UK, right, the United Kingdom, then you drive on the left side of the road, that's the law there. So you'll drive in relative peace. And the same thing will apply if they switch sides. 
So it gets a little confusing when you start moving from one country to another. If we obey the laws of God, then we will experience the peace as well of Christ in our hearts and minds. We experience this in our daily living, right? If we tell the truth, we can live in peace. If we tell a lie, then we have to try to cover up that lie. We'll be humiliated if it's found out and discovered, and so we have this lack of inner peace within us. And so on and on we go with trying to cover that up. Psalm chapter 32 describes, in the verses 3 through 5, describe what happens, this inner turmoil that goes on when we go with unconfessed sin. Listen to what the words of God say there. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Peace returns when we go to the Lord with humility and confession. In a sense, we're coming out with the truth. And then the peace of God floods our hearts and minds. So that's one reason why we lack peace in our everyday lives. We just don't obey God's commands. But the second reason we don't experience peace in our everyday living is because we don't really communicate with the source of peace, the prince of peace, the way of peace. We, we may at times give him a list of needs, uh, but we don't make time every day to connect ourselves with the source of peace and communication with him. We live many days what I call unplugged from the power source. We just kind of go about it. Maybe he's in mind a little bit, but we're not really communicating to him. We're not taking that time. We live as if we can just do things on our own, basically. And this is why we lack the peace Jesus gives, because we are not following him, keeping in step with him, in a sense, following the way of peace. And so listen to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, encourages us or commands us, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. There we go. Spending time speaking, communicating with the Lord. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, are, are we here today in person or online and we're, we're struggling with depression or discouragement about something? Do we feel overwhelmed, burnt out, inadequate? Do we feel anxious or worried? These are all indications of the lack of peace in our hearts for some reason, whatever reason. And the only way we can have His peace is to go to Him and ask for it. Start communicating to Him. Talk to Him, the source of peace. And the reason we don't have peace many times is because we are not connected to the source of peace. That's just the basic reason. And this is why it's so important for you and me to develop this habit of carving out time every day and just to be with the Lord. Talk to Him. Listen to Him. Read His Word. Study His Word. Memorize His Word if you can. Whatever you do to mix it up. It's like a workout almost. But you're there with the Lord, the living God, and connecting yourself to real peace. And guaranteed, that peace will flood into your heart and mind. More and more, the, the more we have that 
connection with the Lord God day after day after day. It'll be helpful to us to experience this peace in the midst of our lives every day. Jesus came that first Christmas to be the way of peace. And the first step of the way of peace is the peace between God and mankind, which he established. And the second step to the way of peace is that peace in the midst of trouble in our lives. And in a world without peace, we follow Jesus, who is the way of peace. So we are kind of like his agents of peace. I mean, not secret agents. No, we don't want to be secret agents, but we are like vessels that we bring a little bit of that peace to the world and that area where we are influencing because people will see it in us when it's there because it's very unworldly. (laughs) It's divine. It's like shalom in the midst of life's chaos. There's a little bit of it in that person. It's like what happened during this true story of the Christmas truce. I don't know if you've heard of this before. It's true. It was on Christmas Day, 1914, just five months into World War I. And the Western Front had been established. And the British and French and German troops, British and French were on one side, the Germans on the other side. And they were blowing each other up with all these uh, new weapons that had been developed. And just basically, the, the soldiers were sick and tired of the senseless killing, and they disobeyed their superiors' orders by fraternizing with the enemy on Christmas Day in 1914. And that, at that time, it was punishable by death to fraternize with the enemy during times of war. And it all started with the German troops on one side raising up little Christmas trees on sticks and little signs that said, you know shoot, we know shoot, in English. And, and then pretty soon, the soldiers from both sides got up out of their trenches and joined on no man's land, they called it, in the middle, and began to share photographs of their loved ones at home, to play football together, to share rations of food together, to sing songs together. And, and here's some pictures of that. They'd, they'd shake hands just with men that earlier, hours earlier, they were trying to kill. And this was a moment, a glimpse of peace during this chaos of war. And that's just an image of what Christ brings into your life and my life when we connect ourselves with the true Prince of Peace. No matter what's going on, He's there with us and His presence when we connect to Him will just bring that peace, that shalom to us. Even though life seems to be falling apart and in chaos. Peace of heart is our witness to the world. It's a big part of it because that is the presence of Christ being displayed. It is part of who we are in Christ for His Spirit dwells within us. And so as we gather this Christmas, because Christmas is often uh, accompanied with some chaos, it seems, more traffic and trying to get parking spaces and all this stuff, but uh, maybe not so much now, this side of the pandemic. But still, it brings up a lot of uh, family tensions, unresolved conflicts sometimes, uh, grief that continues to be experienced from loss of loved ones, a lot of things that can cause a lack of peace in us. 
So if we don't have peace, the key is just turn to Jesus and ask him for his peace. And he's more than willing to give it to you if you just have faith in him. Let's pray together. Lord, we know and we just sang earlier that it's your name that is the strong and mighty fortress. And it's not just your name, but it's your name, the person, you the person, Jesus, Prince of Peace. Lord, we need it. We need your peace, each of us. This world needs your peace. We pray, Lord, that we would be agents of that peace to our families, to the people in our lives, pointing them to you as the reason why we have peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.